Well, go ahead and turn this morning to Luke chapter 4. Mark that for just a minute. And then you can turn to John chapter 8. I want to begin reading this morning in John chapter 8 before we move over to Luke chapter 4. John chapter 8, and let's skip down to the 34th verse. John chapter 8 and verse 34. Jesus answered, said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now, when we say servant, that just means a slave to sin. This morning, I want you to think about the gospel at work. I want you to think about the gospel at work. If the gospel works in our life, what's going to happen? So Jesus teaches us in the very beginning of what we're going to read to you today is that if you sin, John tells us, he that said he has no sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. The truth is this morning, we all have sin in our life. Now I know that there's some that we consider a higher degree and some a lower degree. Maybe some are more public, maybe some are more private. But the fact of the matter is, it's not about how public they are. It's not about how, many, how often they are broadcast. It's the very idea that we all have sin. Remember what Jesus said, that if we sin, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Listen to what Jesus said. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. This morning the gospel frees us, and that's what we want to look at here today. The gospel is going to free you, not because it's magic in the sense that if you read it, it's going to happen. If you read it and abide by it, that's where the magical moments happen. Now, when I say that because it's a spiritual experience, maybe spiritual is a better word to use than magical. But the truth is today that if you listen to God's word, we hear God's word, and then we apply God's word, you will see the gospel at work. Do you want the gospel to work in your life, or do you simply want to check it off saying, I've heard it, or I've read it, or I've been exposed to it? But folks, there is a vast difference in hearing the gospel and abiding by the gospel. Would you agree with that? There's a big difference. You know, just because you hear something doesn't mean you do that. Just because we hear something doesn't mean that we agree with it or we abide with it. Luke chapter 4, I want to turn over for just a minute. Now, all of, of all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke is the only one that records this particular account of Jesus preaching. On this particular account, they, they had gathered in the synagogue and part of the, 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 the custom and part of the format of the service was someone would read the scriptures and they would expound or preach upon those things. Well, Jesus had reached that point where he was in this setting of people. Now listen to what Jesus is going to do right here. Now notice Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 4, it says that the 16th verse, Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 said this. And he came to Nazareth. Jesus was back at his hometown here where he had been brought up. Again, hometown. 
And his custom was, and went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. So what did he do? He's going to open up the book of Isaiah. He's going to read the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Red letters, this is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember when I said the gospel at work? What will the gospel do? Jesus was reading these words because he was going to be the one to fulfill this in their life. What was he set to do? Let's follow these words. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel at work is going to help the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Folks, we're going to talk about this, but the gospel will heal those that are brokenhearted. But he also goes on to say to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Not a very long sermon, was it? But it was powerful because Jesus had spoken those words. And folks, it's not about how long a sermon is. It's about the truth that is behind those words. The truth behind the words this morning are this. We all are broken. We all have sin in our life. We all must become poor. We all must experience these things. And Jesus was not just reading about Isaiah chapter 61. What Jesus was saying is that is him. He is the one that is going to do this. And matter of fact, they got so upset that Jesus was, was declaring this. You know what the gospel at work will do? It will irritate you. Now I said that and I want you to, to, to listen for a minute. The gospel at work will irritate people when it's not the way they want it to be. Skip down to that fourth uh, chapter in the 28th verse. And all, I wish I could say just some of those that heard Jesus speaking. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They did not want to hear the truth. Folks, here we are. We're living in a time where people still do not want to hear the truth. They do not want to see the gospel at work. They just want to hear the gospel. They don't want the gospel to change you. They don't want the gospel to, to show you the error of our way and the sinful nature by which we are. People just simply want the gospel to be heard but not applied to our lives. Folks, the transformation happens when we realize and we understand the scripture and that these apply to us. Notice what happened. They were filled with wrath. 29th verse. Matter of fact, they were so angry and upset, they rose up. Now, this is talking about Christ. And they thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of a hill whereon their city was built. They took him to a cliff. And they were ready to push him off. That's how mad they were. If you were mad, you would just say, get away from me or I don't want to hear that. They were so disgruntled that they even wanted to cast him off the edge. And he says that they might cast him down headlong. They want to cast him over the cliff. That's what the gospel at work will do. The gospel at work will try to begin to convict you. And the gospel at work will make you realize is that you have needs in your life. But what happens is they wanted these things to happen. But I love the 30th verse. But he passed through the midst of them and he went his way. You cannot stop the gospel. 
You cannot. The gospel is still going to be able to go forth. And Jesus was talking about himself. He said, again, talking about it, quoting Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath appointed me to preach the uh, the gospel of the poor has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, every seven years was like a sabbatical year. In other words, what they would do is, is that in seven years times seven times, 49 years, so really on the 50th years was like a year of Jubilee. Now the year of Jubilee, you know what happened? The slaves were set free. The land was returned back and to its rightful owners. And, you know, the, the, the thing that we need to see today is that Jesus said that I am coming to set you free and to give you the land that I want you to have. Folks, God wants us to enjoy the Garden of Eden. When God created Adam and Eve, God did not desire that man would be cast out of the Garden of Eden. God said, this is a place for you. Why was Adam and Eve? And now this is a very elementary question, but why was Adam and Eve cast out of the garden? The simple answer is sin. But remember when, when Jesus said that if you have you've sinned, that you are a slave to sin, but if you're going to be set free, you're going to be set free by the Son of Jesus Christ, and you will be set free indeed. The gospel at work, folks, I hope that you can say you've experienced this. But if you have not, then I'm telling you what you can experience. The gospel can set you free from sin. You can enjoy a land this sabbatical year or this year of Jubilee where there was a time when everything was going to be released. And he said that he hath anointed me. You see, a lot of these old ancient kings and these prophets, they were anointed and I mean a physical anointing that happened. Jesus never had that physical anointing. You know where his anointing came from? God. In other words, man, if they would, if they would go through their credentials or their rights, they would say this person has, has met the, the rights and the, the privileges to be a, a, a king or a prophet or that there could have been anointing there. Jesus was not anointed by the recommendation of men. Folks, he was anointed by God that he was going to deliver human beings out of the sinful nature by which we're in, folks. And I'll tell you this. Jesus needs, and I hope this is an okay phrase to use, he needs no other endorsement other than God. If God said, Jesus is what mankind needs, folks, I believe this. All we need is Jesus. We're, we're, we make this too hard, or sometimes we think about this way too much, that, that we've got to live good, or we've got to do the right things, folks. The bottom line is, we need Jesus. But you see, Jesus was one. He said, he, he's been, he hath anointed me. That's what the word the Messiah means, that he has been anointed, not anointed by man, but he's anointed by God. Man makes mistakes, and man don't always get it right, but I'll tell you this, God got it perfect when he said, I need one to redeem man, and that is Jesus Christ is going to do that, for he hath anointed me. And notice what he wanted to do. He says, to preach the gospel to the poor. When you start reading about the gospel to the poor, 
You know, that gospel, you know, the gospel actually comes from a word that, that actually gives you an idea of being under a spell. Or what I mean by spell is you're under control of. Folks, once you get saved, you know what we're under the control of? We're under the control of the Holy Spirit, but we're also under the control of the Word of God. The Word of God works in our life if we will allow these things. For we see here that Jesus said that he has come to preach the gospel to the poor. Do I believe that there are physical Poverty that churches and mankind needs to meet, yes. But you know, I wish today that, that, that we would put us, by the way, we're, we're pretty weak in our efforts to feed the poor, but I'll say this, we're really weak in our efforts to feed the spiritually poor. The spiritually poor today, there are people today that need Jesus, but, but today, folks, we, we will tell them all kind of ways that they can adjust to that, but not how that they can cure that. And we're going to talk about some of those things in a minute. But I want you to know this. If you want the gospel to work in your life, we must realize that Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. Do you believe that it's possible for us to experience spiritual poverty in our life? Matthew chapter 5 tells us this. It's a familiar scripture. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus in his sermon uh, in, in, on the mount in the Beatitudes, he says, chapter 5 and verse 3, Blessed are the poor. By the way, the exact same word poor in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 is the exact same Greek word that we read about there in the book of Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. For the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, what is this poor Person. Poor means that it's a person that's reached a point or a place in their life where they cannot meet their own needs. Now let's think about this. What things in your life can you do for yourself? Can you open the door? Can you pick up the book in front of you? Sometimes we want God just to make a book float out of the pews and, and just open up in front of us like uh, some magic might happen. We, can God do those things? Yes. And I'm not trying to say God cannot, but remember this, folks. God does things we cannot do ourselves. How many of us today can take the hurt out of our hearts? Our souls today that are hurting because of sin, how many of us can fix ourselves? The truth is, when we come to a point in our life where we realize that we are spiritually poor, listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, if you will experience one place, one point in your life of poverty, where you're unable to meet your own needs and you depend on Jesus. Folks, if you're ever going to be saved, you must depend on Jesus. You must depend on him to give you what you cannot do for yourself. For blessed are the poor in spirit. How many of us are completely dependent upon God? Is it about a, a physical riches? Is it about a physical poor and poverty? Or is it about a spiritual riches and spiritual poverty? Listen to what James 2 in verse 1 says this. James 2, excuse me, verse 2. My brethren, have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, without partiality. For if a man with a gold ring and fine clothing comes to your assembly, and also a poor man in rag clothing comes in, he talks about you cannot judge the difference in them just based off what you see because poverty and riches is not based off what you see. 
Poverty and riches is based off what's in their heart. And you know, there's one thing about it this morning. I cannot look in the heart of any person here. I can't. I can't look in your heart or your heart or your heart or your heart. And you can't look in mine. And that's a wonderful thing today because there's a lot of things in there I don't want the world to see. But when God saves our soul and he gives us something that is righteous, I want the world to see that. But they cannot see that. So how do they see that? Through our mouth and our hands and our feet. By what we say, by what we do, we can experience these things. And Jesus is teaching us that blessed are the poor in the spirit, he said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus here is teaching us in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 that he has come to preach the gospel to the poor. Let's go to the next part of that where it says, and to heal the broken hearted. How many of you would agree with me if I make this statement? Sin causes sorrow. Anybody agree with me on that? Why do we love it so much? Why do we cling to it so much? If sin hurts and sin causes us sorrow, then why do we not just automatically just let go of those things that we know are wrong? And the truth is, we're understanding the concept. We have a fleshly nature that we war against. There's a battle that's going on. And the sooner that you and I admit that there's a battle and surrender to God and let the gospel do its work in us, the closer we're going to get to Jesus. But we've got to let the gospel do a work in us. We've got to let Jesus proclaim this gospel that he is the one that he said to heal the broken hearted. Are you broken hearted this morning? When Jesus talks about the broken hearted, he's talking about those that are broken to pieces. About those that are crushed. I don't know about your personal life and I don't, I don't have to know all about your life. All I know is this, is that any individual that reaches a point in their life where they are just in, their, their life is in pieces. Now sometimes I can break a stick or it's in two pieces. But I want you to understand the concept of the word is not just something that's broken in one place. It means shattered and broken in many pieces. Today, there's a world out there that is not just crippled or that they're not just somewhat slowed down. Their lives are shattered. But did you hear what Jesus said? He said he himself, not talking about Isaiah, but he's talking about himself. He said, I am coming to heal the broken hearted. He says, I've come to heal the broken hearted. Jesus is teaches. In Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12 and in verse 20, he's talking, he quotes Isaiah again, 42 here, but notice what he says in, in Matthew chapter 12 and in verse 20. A bruised reed, by the way, when we talk about broken hearted, that's the exact same word of, of a bruised reed. A bruised reed Shall he not break? Smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. What is a reed that is broken? You see, a stalk of grain, as it grows, then all of a sudden that it, it breaks over. It doesn't die. 
It just breaks over to where it's not being fruitful. Now I want you to follow me for just a minute. It is possible for saved people to become broken. It's not that we're dead. It's just we're not where we need to be. We're broken. We're broken to a place that we're not able to bring forth fruit. We're at a place that we cannot be productive in our life. But listen to what Jesus said. To heal the broken hearted. You know what Isaiah is saying? You know what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 12? You know what Isaiah was saying? He said, there's going to be one that's going to come that can change our life from a broken state to a productive state. To a state that we're not able to do what we want. A broken reed is not a reed that he said he's going to cast out and get rid of and just say, well, it's messed up. I can't have no use out of it. Instead of casting the broken reed away, he fixes that. How many of you here this morning can say, thank you, Jesus, that you don't cast away brokenness, but you fix it? Anybody? I can tell you one here today that says, glory, hallelujah, folks. He didn't cast me away because I was broken. He fixed me. And you know what he fixed me? He fixed me by giving the Holy Spirit of God. He took a soul of sinfulness and he removed it. He gave me a heart of flesh that, that, that can feel him. It can feel his presence. You know what today? I thank God that he does visit those that are broken. I thank God that he visits those that are, that are weak. And they're in a place that they're not being fruitful. But God said, I can change that. For he said he will heal the broken hearted. When that grain was growing and all of a sudden it begins to, I guess you say, flop over. And it was growing where it wasn't being very productive. When you take a grain offering to God, you're supposed to take in the very best you have, right? When you're lost. Maybe when we're not in the very place that we should be. You know what the very best we have to offer to God is? Something broken. I want you to ponder that for just a minute. Sometimes in our life, the only thing we have to offer God is something broken. But just remember this, God can change that. It is not a sin or it is not a bad thing to offer God something broken because he can fix it. Sometimes we think if I can't give God perfection, then, then, then I'm not going to give it to him. Folks, God wants your brokenness in your life. All of our brokenness, all of our evil, all the things that, 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 are, that are dark shades that are alive, God's given to me. For he said he is sent to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, so much is going on here in this fourth chapter in the 18th verse. Listen to what he said. Not only is he going to heal the brokenhearted, but he said he's going to give deliverance to the captives. Remember what we read in the very beginning in John chapter 8? Where it says that if you sin, that we become slaves to sin. Listen to what he said here. Deliverance to the captives. Do you believe today that the gospel can set you free from sin? Absolutely it can. If you want to see the gospel at work, listen to the gospel. Heed to the gospel. Abide by the gospel in your life and you will see the gospel at work. Or do we want to be that person that just hears? I just want to hear the gospel. I don't want to react to it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to respond to it. I just want to hear it, folks. The gospel at work is not meant to be heard. It's meant to be applied. It's meant to be used in our life. And he said, he's meant to give deliverance to the captives. Sin 
will enslave you as fast as anything you could ever imagine. But I'll tell you this, I believe in one that always can set you free. You know, I think about where uh, in, in the book of Revelation it talks about the church having the keys to the kingdom. And it talks about, you know, keys mean that they can unlock things. Folks, do you believe today that, that the church, and I'm talking about saved individuals, that they have a glimpse of things that they can unlock, that they can tell you of what's important in life or what you need, and what you need is you need to get saved. Aren't you glad today that we can have access to heavenly things here on this earth and God is opening up things for you and I to be able to hear? Folks, there was people long before I ever got saved. You know what they would do? They would preach, they would testify, they would sing and they would praise his holy name and they would open up things that I couldn't experience for myself. And when they would do that, I was realized that when I was held captive, that if there was anybody that was going to set me free, it wasn't the church, it was the one that they worshipped. It's the one that they had turned to in their life. Was it a coincidence that Paul and Silas in the jail, in prison, preaching the gospel, and an earthquake came, and the jail doors just flung open no God was setting them free how many of you here this morning again you don't have to tell me I'm not asking you for confession how many of you this morning are shackled some kind of a chain or restraint is upon you now some may say well I don't have drug or alcohol problems or gambling problems or, uh, or jealousy problems or, or anger problems and the list goes on you can say you don't have many things in your life but is there anything in your life that chains you down and hinders you. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He said, I am going to give deliverance to the captives. I thank God today that he desires to give us deliverance. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Listen to this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Jesus is the one that's going to pay the price of redemption. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Folks, without the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we're all going to be shackled and we all are going to be in, enslaved to sin. Remember what we get again. Let's go back to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 said that if you sin, then you are a slave to sin. How do we overcome sin? Jesus said you got to pay the price. What is the price for sin? I'll say this again. God never has asked human beings or mankind what do you think the value of a sinful nature is? God determined that. And it was his son Jesus was the only thing that was going to be sufficient. But listen to this. That neither by the blood of goats and calves. He said all these other things, those were temporary. Folks, aren't you glad today that God is giving us something that is not temporary or good for a year that we have to keep getting over and over and over again? But God can give you something that is eternal. Folks, when you get saved and the blood of Jesus is applied, that's eternal. You agree with that? blood of Jesus. He said, you don't have to worry about calves or goats. But he said he did it by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place. He only had to do it one time. 
Folks, the gospel at work, it can change you. It's only going to take him doing that work one time in your life. It wasn't cheap, but God said, I'm going to give you what you stand in need of, having attained eternal redemption for us. Folks, I want you to think about how permanent that is in your life. Folks, today, have you experienced something in your life that's permanent? If you've ever been saved by the grace of God, yes, you know what it's like to have something that is permanent. And that's what we're seeing in our, our scripture today is, is that Jesus said that I want to give you something and something that is permanent. For I'm going to give you deliverance from the captives. But let's keep reading Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you want me to preach the gospel of the poor, sent me to the broken heart to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of the sight to the blind. Folks, spiritually blind today are people that do not apply the word of Christ in their life. Remember what John chapter 1, a very powerful scripture. Jesus said in the beginning was the word, was word, was with God, and the word was God. And it also talks about how that he is the light. Talking about he is the one that illuminates in their life. People are walking around in darkness because they don't have the word in their life. And a lot of times people are afraid that if there's a light there, they can see things that they don't want to see. Folks, the reason that things are illuminated is not to intimidate us or to scare us, but it's to remind us they need to be removed. If God is showing you things in your life to remove, he's not trying to, 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 to keep things from you. He's trying to tell you things in your life that we need to purge and let the gospel do its work. The gospel at work today is going to make you shed things in your life. The gospel at work in your life is going to make you want to rid of things in your life. And Jesus said that, that, that we're going to be recovering to the blind. At one time when we would just close our eyes and we don't want to see. Sometimes we get like that even as Christian people that we just want to close our eyes. But he said, no, your purpose is not to close your eyes and act like it doesn't exist. The idea is to open your eyes to see what's there. But ask for me to help you through that. What happens when people get scared? What's, what, what's just a natural reaction when people are afraid? They just close their eyes. It's almost like if we don't see it, it doesn't exist. Can I tell you something exists and don't close your eyes to this? Sin. Sin exists. Many different forms. Many different levels. Some are public. Some are private. Some may be seemingly worse than other things. But the truth is, sin exists. And if we sin, we are slaves to sin. But remember what John chapter 8 taught us in our very beginning. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. How many people today are blind because sin just blinds them and they don't want to see these things? He said, not only is he coming to recover the sight to the blind, but I love this last part of this verse. To set at liberty them that are bruised. You know what he means when he talks about liberty? You know what liberty means? We ought to know this a little bit, talking about the Lady Liberty here. It's about freedom or not restrained by something. 
But the Greek word probably means a word that's a little more powerful. It means to be pardoned and have forgiveness. Can I tell you something in a legal system? There is a big difference between not guilty and pardoned. Now, neither one of them are suffering any kind of a consequence. The difference is not guilty means they didn't do it. The pardoned one means they're guilty, they deserve a punishment, but they're going to be set free. Folks, today we have to understand that God desires to give us liberty. Not to excuse us and make us act like we did not sin. Many people today, that, that's our idea, our culture. I didn't do it or it's not my fault. The fact is, is that Jesus said, I'm not coming to act like you did not do these things. What I'm doing is I'm going to pardon you. Are you here this morning and you're not guilty? Or do you let the gospel work and realize you are guilty, but you need Jesus to pardon you? Pardon means so that you would be free from the consequence. To set at liberty them that are bruised. The corruption, the brokenness. He said that's the things in life he said he wants to set us free from. Like a lot of sicknesses, like a lot of other things that people go through in life, we realize today is that God said, I want you to be better than the state you're in right now. Can I ask you something today? If you're lost, do you want to be saved and be better? you got to want to be saved before you're ever going to be saved. If you're saved, do you want to live closer to God? It's not a question you have to answer me. But you have to ask yourself, if you're going to do that, how are you going to do that? You must let the word do its work. For again, I'm going to go back to John chapter 8 and close with this. Backing up now to the 31st verse of John chapter 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, did you hear what I just said? If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I purposely left that off because I wanted to go back and see you're either free or you're a slave. You're either free from sin or you're a slave to sin. But they answered him, we, we, are, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage. They were talking about the law here. How sayest thou, well, you should be free? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Today, do you want to let the gospel be at work in your life? If that's the case, then I pray that you would just let God's spirit, his word, his illumination guide you to where you need to be. God bless you this morning. Those are the things I felt like I needed to say.